Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. It's time for your Big Fight Weekend Recap Show. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Well, it's in the books. It's all over, and Terrence Crawford did what we thought he was going to do. He defeated Jose Benavides. Overwhelming favorite retains his WBO welterweight championship. Welcome in to the latest edition of Big Fight Weekend, our post-fight recap of Crawford's 12th round TKO over Benavides to defend successfully for the first time the WBO welterweight championship. I am your host, TJ Reeves, and we do have special guests on deck coming up straight ahead. We'll get the opportunity to talk with a couple of different guys, bring back an analyst from the Atlanta area, loves the sport of boxing, love the insight of Deshaun Tate, Tate's Take Sports. Uh, we're going to get some takes from Deshaun Tate coming up on this fight and what he thought. I can tell you, uh, just from having talked with Deshaun prior to this interview, uh, he's impressed overall with Crawford, but in this particular fight, it wasn't an overwhelming fight from Deshaun's point of view. He did what he was supposed to do against Jose Benavides, including getting the knockout at the very end. That's now eight of the last nine fights for Crawford, all of them world title fights that have ended early. We'll have more on that with Deshaun Tate. Then we're going to bring on Big Fight Weekend, a writer columnist for the Omaha World Herald, the local paper, the local rag in Omaha, although is it, is it, is it really a, a local rag anymore when nobody gets the actual newspaper? They're now just digital online situations. Tony Boone will be with us. He has covered Terrence Crawford's in, entire career since Crawford's rise to fame in Omaha, covering all of these uh, light welterweight and welterweight championship fights for him, not only in Omaha, but Vegas, New York, etc. He's going to have great insight into this win. How big of a deal is it in the Omaha uh, city and in the Nebraska region that Terrence Crawford is doing this. Uh, we'll get some great insight from Tony Boone and also some thoughts from him on what happens next. Both of our guests are going to talk about what happens next after Crawford's dominant performance again. He outlanded 
of Benavides by over a hundred significant punches in this fight. Almost every round was two to one or three to one in significant punches. The power punches, the jabs, the body shots. He was the busier of the two fighters. Benavides had a couple of rounds where he was good. The fourth round in particular where he was good, but it just, it, it looked as though he was overmatched by the overall skill and speed, and Crawford was ready. He was focused, he had trained, he knew this was a big stage. How about the ratings are now out, and for ESPN's televised fight Saturday night with the main event, this fight got the highest rating of any non-pay-per-view uh, this calendar year now we're well into the 10th month of the calendar year no other fight on over the air or regular cable television has gotten the audience the 1.8 national rating and close to 3 million fans that watch Crawford's victory over Jose Benavides so They've got to be happy with that at top rank in ESPN because he's bringing in eyeballs and you're bringing boxing back, and it's a huge college football Saturday and Saturday night that led into the ESPN broadcast. They had the Alabama-Missouri football game. Of course, it was a blowout win for the Crimson Tide as the lead-in. So obviously there was an audience nationwide and a big deal for Terrence Crawford, and it's part of why we're doing this on Big Fight Weekend. So whether you found this show through Radio Influence, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Under Big Fight Weekend, the show will come automatically to you. Rate the show, rank the show. Uh, we would love to hear more from you uh, about Big Fight Weekend, and uh, we're anxious to get to our guests and see what they have to say as Bud Crawford Remains undefeated with yet another victory in a championship fight, ending early by knockout or TKO. Time to talk about it more as we roll on here on this edition of Big Fight Weekend. Yeah, Terrence Crawford did get it done as part of Big Fight Weekend with a 12th round TKO successfully defending his version of the World Welterweight Championship. His first title defense comes in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, back on Saturday evening, and I do get a chance to welcome this guy back in. Love the insight from out of the ATL in Atlanta of Deshaun Tate and Tate's Takes all the time. Tate's Takes Sports is his Twitter handle. He's got some takes on this Bud Crawford win. First, good to be with you. Second, uh, hey, Crawford once again defends and delivers a knockout. Deshaun, welcome. What are your thoughts? Thanks for having me, TJ, and oh, do I have some takes for you today. This is my overall thought. Man, honestly, I just, um, I'm, a little, I'm a little blown away by the outcome in terms of um, not, not so much the way that it finished, but that it finished so late, to be quite honest with you. It, it, was, it, was, it was a good fight. It was a much more entertaining fight than I thought it would be, and, and, and I, I was kind of warned, giving a heads up a little bit about how Benavidez is a much better fighter uh, than a lot of people expected. And while I agree with that, I also disagree with that, and I'll tell you why here in just a few minutes. All right, so you say that you thought this would end early. Do you put it more on Benavides uh, and his strategy? Was Crawford being cautious in feeling out kind of a bigger opponent with a big right hand? Why do you think the fight went into the late rounds? I think that, you know, Crawford was definitely cautious, and I don't have any, you know, sour grapes or any gripes about that by any stretch of the imagination. But I think part of it is, you know, because Crawford was fighting in his hometown, I felt like that was, I think that was a lot of pressure. I think too much pressure for the fighter that Benavidez is, not necessarily too much pressure because of him fighting in his hometown. But with him being out, um, 
uh, outsized, if you will, by Benavidez. I don't think that that really helped when it came to the wingspan and just being a bigger guy walking around every day. I don't think that that really helped him out too much. However, Benavidez was the guy if you were, you know, paying attention, especially early to midway through the fight. And, as you know, it, it kind of lightened up a little bit as you got a little bit closer towards the, you know, towards the uh, 8, 9, 10, 11 uh, rounds. But, um, you know, he was he, – Benavidez was, was walking Crawford down early in the in part of the fight. He that Crawford would have made his adjustments probably by the time four or five. You know, if you watch Floyd Mayweather closely, he'll, he'll come out and he'll look a little rusty or, or, or he may be trying to really seal you out more so than anything. I'm okay with that for the first two, three rounds. But when we were still going into four and five, maybe even part of the sixth round, you know, I still saw a lot of that from Crawford, and he still looked uncomfortable probably because he was, you know, fighting in front of his home crowd and was really looking for a, lot, a knockout, sometimes too often to the point where a guy like, uh, like Benavidez, who isn't necessarily the best counterpuncher, was coming across with some good counterpunches and not just uh, good counterpunches, but there were punch, uh, power punches as well. A couple of them that kind of caught Crawford off balance a little bit. Yeah, it was interesting. There was some gamesmanship from both of them. They'd land a punch, and the other guy would make a face. Benavides would stick his tongue out at Crawford, and then later in the fight, Benavides landed a pretty good right hand. Crawford stuck the tongue out right back at him like, hey, that didn't hurt me. I've always subscribed to and have listened to commentators and fighters say that when you show that emotion, that that punch did hurt. That punch did get your attention. When you when you try to show the other guy that it didn't hurt, that actually means the opposite, uh, that it did hurt. Do you believe um, that as this fight was going on, that it was part of Crawford's strategy? I haven't heard him say this, that because Benavides had been off for a couple of years in 2016 and 2017 and had only had two fights this year, or actually uh, uh, one earlier this year, that was a first-round knockout that is part of the strategy was get this into the later rounds, wear him down. Do you believe that was part of his thinking, Crawford, as the fight went on? I'm not sure that it was or it wasn't. I don't want to be the guy that's calling him a liar. However, that sounds really good after the fight has gone on as long as it did. <laughs> it's almost going to sound almost as if it's, that's the way we actually planned it to be. Now, could that be the case? Sure, that's a strong possibility. However, I like to think that guys aren't out there, you know, uh, preparing for not just uh, preparing for 12-round fights, but also intentionally trying to go 12 rounds. Like, I want to show everybody that I can, you know, uh, uh, let him hang in for a little while and then dominate him at the very end. If someone's wide open for a knockout, I like to think that you're going to go ahead and knock the guy out so you can get it over with and the sooner you can go to the strip club and go to the parties and spend some money in your hometown in front of your own in front of your own fan base. But that's just the way that I think of it. So that, that could be a possibility there. But realistically, I mean, Benavidez was, was throwing everything but the kitchen sink at him. And, you know, for a guy who's as flat foot as Benavidez was and wasn't working the room very well, wasn't moving around the ring very well, didn't show a lot of uh, a, a lateral movement and, and, and just – didn't really shuffle his feet very well, just not really a good defensive guy. You saw him with his hands down the whole night by his side. I don't know if that was to taunt Crawford uh, or or if that was more so because of the fact Let that he doesn't have defense. I thought, my sure. feeling, I thought he was trying to catch him maybe with a sneak right hand. Lower my guard, sure. get, get uh, Crawford to lunge in with something and try to catch him with the sneak right hand. Well, after about three or four rounds of it, it was obvious Crawford wasn't going to take the bait. Deshaun, right? Well, not, well not, not only that, CJ, but the thing is, is 
he never ended up throwing the sneak right hand. Right, so right. you're going to sit there with your gloves down the whole time. You've got to at least throw it once or twice and at least give me an attempt. He didn't even do that in, in, in a couple of those times that that happened. He ended up paying for it because Crawford took a uh, – uh, Crawford kind of came in with some of those jabs as he was all night long, just kind of softened him up and loosened up Benavidez. And Benavidez never did come back with any kind of uh, retaliation. So – um, but I, I'm be honest with you. I'm a little bit disappointed in 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 uh, in Crawford's performance, I, or, or not maybe not as much disappointed. I was a little disappointed, but I was um uh, I guess looking for the right word here. I, I just I, I wasn't as convinced for this to be the guy go. that they call pound for pound for a guy. Yeah, he's a southpaw. He can switch up his stance and things like that, and it looks great. But pound for pound, numero uno to me, that's not what numero uno looks like. And I I I don't know. I'm just I'm not as convinced as some other people might be, I guess. I love Tate's takes. And Deshaun Tate with me on Big Fight Weekend. Follow him at Tate's Takes Sports. Uh, He's based in the Atlanta area. Huge boxing fan, giving us some insight on Terrence Crawford's 12th round TKO over Jose Benavides, an unbeaten challenger, again, as we built him up on the pre-fight show. Former National Golden Gloves champion, was really e-ticketed to be a junior welterweight or welterweight world champion, then ended up getting shot in the leg uh, back in 2015 and missed two full years, uh, uh, prime years of his career, uh, basically, in 2016 and 2017. Comes back, has a couple of fights, gets ranked number one by the WBO to set up this matchup. Uh, Benavides said after the fight, post-fight interview on ESPN, that his leg was bothering him. The leg that he was shot in, that it was bothering him, that it affected him from about the seventh or eighth round uh, on. He did follow up immediately and say, I'm not making excuses. Crawford's a great fighter. Give him the credit. Um, do you, how much do you think, we're speculating, did that limit Benavides once once we got to the seventh or eighth round? I mean, he's basically a one-and-a-half leg fighter at that point and didn't have much of a chance. You buy that? I think that's a possibility. I mean, what, you know, what happened happened. But if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think Crawford got shot in one point in, in his life too. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 you know, at, at, at that point, I guess, it, it, I don't know if Crawford we're even. Or whatever. We're, we're even on gunshot oh, wounds. I, I got you, yes. But, you know, but at, at the end of the day, you know, the reality is that I can't tell you if that was a pre-planned excuse. I'm so done with guys and their pre-planned excuses sometimes. I kind of feel like, I mean, granted, yeah, you know, we, we know everything that happened with him uh, uh, and, and getting shot in the leg. I mean, he was dragging the leg the whole night. He looked like a cast member on The Walking Dead for crying out loud. <laughs> but let me tell, let me tell you, but let me, but let me tell you something, TJ. But let me tell you something, TJ. Um, the reality is that, yes, he did give the credit. Um, he did. He did give the credit to Crawford, uh, in, in which he was supposed to. And I, I don't know how much of that was really sincere, or so that he was trying to get. Um, had hope was wishing, hopefully, that he can maybe set up another fight in a potential rematch, which is very unlikely and is not going to happen. And I think that's very smart of Crawford to not take that fight if it was to even be a possibility. But there was a lot of disrespect leading up to this fight, where Benavidez was kind of coming in on the home time. I mean, this stuff started getting pretty deep. We're talking about them being right there in Omaha, Nebraska, where, you know, there, there's Benavidez coming into the barbershop where Crawford gets his haircut and popping up at some of his, you know, family functions or something of that nature. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I really feel like everything considered, I think Crawford should have probably gotten him out of there a little bit earlier than he right. did. I, I, again, I, I am a little bit disappointed. All right. Um, okay, a couple more minutes with you. 
if if 2019 you could make the fight, who do you want to see Crawford fight next? With the understanding there are promoters and promotions in the way and signed contracts in the way for the other three world champs, who does Deshaun Tate, if you could make it happen, want to see Crawford in the ring with in 2019 first? Let me tell you something, TJ. Everybody watches boxing because we want to see the best. And one reason that a lot of people don't watch boxing nearly as much anymore maybe because the talent pool isn't as deep, but people want to see the best, and it seems like you never get a chance to see the best. If you want to see the best, and I'm just one of those type of guys that like to see the best, forget about all the warm-up fights, forget about all these little, you know, they're throwing taxi cab drivers in the ring with a lot of these guys and Uber drivers. Let's go ahead and give me the best. I want Errol Spence. I want Crawford. I want them both at their best. I don't want any excuses, no pre-planned excuses. Let's put it on a neutral site, nobody's home turf, I think that'll probably be the best thing and or uh, the fact that I think the winner of that fight should probably get uh, between uh, Sean Porter and, um, and, and Keith Thurman. I, I think ultimately for one of those three guys, I think that that's ultimately who, who, um, who, who Crawford should end up fighting. And my personal preference as the, as the front runner would probably be uh, Errol Spence. Sign me up. Sign me up for Crawford and Spence if they can make that happen. And again, Bob Arum, the promoter, was asked after that he may have a mandatory challenger again that he has to face depending on who's under the top rank contract, who's the number one, that kind of stuff we'll see. But I, I would love to see that fight at some point too in 2019 if they can make it happen. Any closing thoughts here from Deshaun Tate as we wrap uh, your thoughts on Big Fight Weekend and the Terrence Crawford 12th round TKO? He did get the the stoppage there in the 12th round. Any final thoughts from you, sir? You know I always got some closing remarks. We like to call it take, take TJ. Realistically, again, and I hate to put the, you know, people might say this dude's a Crawford hater, um, but I want to make sure that we're very clear on this and putting a kind of emphasis on this. I don't know who's doing the judging or the voting for whoever's pound for pound number one in the world, but in my personal opinion, respectfully, it's not Terrence Crawford, first of all. It's not Bud Crawford. And I, I was I was I was disappointed. I mean, yeah, he went in there, he got the win, and and I, I guess I'm just I expected a little bit more out of this fight, and that's not to discredit uh, anything about about Benavidez because he he stuck in there and he was taking a bunch of punches and a lot of power punches he was giving back, and he did the best that he could. I, I'm not really a big fan of the way that the home crowd kind of makes him, you know, when they would hit gloves and, 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 and instead of uh, instead of almost as if as if, you know, Crawford was connecting with a lot of his punches in which he wasn't. And so I think that it was a little unfair uh, a judgment by most people watching at home if you had your volume on 100. But realistically, for all boxing fans, I think everybody knows that this guy's not number one pound for pound. He's in the top five. Doesn't he have to be in the top five? Would you have him in your I top was, five? I, I, can, I can go with top five. That's fair. I can go top five. I think top three would be a stretch, but it's a possibility. But after this performance, I don't think he did enough to win the fight. Remember, we talked a lot about the Triple G and Canelo fight and how Triple G maybe didn't do enough to win it. Uh, with the exception of, you know, a 12-round knockout, knockout, that's fair. I mean, Crawford did enough, I guess, to win that fight considering the circumstances. But if that did not happen and it went the complete distance, I, I I just don't feel like he did enough to win, but he didn't win me over, I guess, to yeah. say 
And he's, I don't think he's ready for Errol Spence. Well, he was winning. I mean, clearly he was winning the fight. But you're saying win you sure. over to be number one pound for pound, you got to be spectacular. Oh, yeah. Now, just one oh, yeah. more. This is now eight stoppages or knockouts in the last nine fights, all against championship caliber fighters or championship title defenses or winning a belt. So uh, sure. there is something to be said for that. The guy does deliver uh, on, on knockouts or stoppages, too. They're not all decisions at this point for him. Deshaun, I always love your insight. Uh, we look forward to our next big fight weekend, whenever that is, a little while down the road. But uh, thank you for recapping Terrence Crawford's win over Jose Benavides this past weekend in Omaha, Nebraska. I always love Tate's takes. Thank you, sir. Absolutely, no problem. Anytime, anytime you or the people want someone to take steak, baby, come get it. I, I got plenty ready for everybody. Big Fight Weekend brought to you in part by Touch Vodka. Drink, eat, live, local Touch Vodka. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Yes, as promised, I want to get a little flavor. I want to get a little background on what's going on in Omaha, Nebraska, not just with the corn and not just whether or not they want to kill the Nebraska football coach, Scott Frost, because they can't win a game right now in college football. I No, it's Big Fight Weekend. We're talking boxing. We're talking Terrence Crawford and his win, his 12th round TKO over Jose Benavides and a man that was right there ringside covering it for the Omaha World Herald and has great insight. He's covered uh, Bud Crawford for his entire career. He joins us now as part of Big Fight Weekend. Mr. Tony Boone, thank you for coming on with me as part of the podcast to talk some about Terrence Crawford. Good to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, TJ. And as far as Crawford goes, he lit the morale of an entire state on Saturday because after blowing that lead against Northwestern, I, I was wondering if we were going to have a home to come back to. But uh, Crawford kind of righted the ship that that night with uh, his win over Benavides. Uh, you know, all of us were watching on ESPN. I did not notice very many in the crowd that had black armbands on. They may have. They didn't have their heads bowed in mourning, but... Tough for the Huskers, good for Terrence Crawford. All right, I've already given some opinions, which you've not heard. I've had an analyst on who's given some opinions, which you have not heard. So this is good because it gives a a fresh voice here. What did you think of Crawford's performance? You've seen him his whole career. What did you think of the performance Saturday night with the 12th-round TKO? Well, for me, I think it was more of the same. Uh, Crawford kind of has a a style that he's – use fight by fight by fight and that's to feel out your opponent for the first couple of rounds start to implement your game plan in about round three and by you know five or six have the fight going the way you want it to go and i thought that's exactly what happened uh benavides had a great fourth round um but i think that was the last great round that he had although he was still there at the end obviously um Crawford was pulling away in the fight and uh to his credit saw an opportunity to land the uppercut late and uh I don't know if there's anybody in the sport that's better when they get a guy in trouble at finishing them than Terrence Crawford because uh, since he's become a world champion and the confidence level has grown for that guy, uh, when he has a guy hurt, he puts him away. Well, and he did even at the end of that fight. I wonder, uh, you've seen him so much. Uh, I've seen him some. Uh, the uppercut has not been a weapon that he uses all the time, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you saw him earlier in his career, and he has been more known than I realize and others realize for that uppercut. But boy, did he pull that! Did he pull that bomb out there in the twelfth round the other night? Yeah, well, it's something that he's had in his repertoire, and you're right, he, he doesn't necessarily use it all the time. But uh, this is a guy that really has a complete skill set. I, I mean, I really think that every punch is there. 
In this case, this was one that he identified, or at least his camp had identified, as one that they thought could be successful. And um, I actually wrote a, a column um, following up on the fight uh, just about how he, he you know, hesitated to pull the trigger on that because he was waiting and waiting and waiting and actually fainted quite a few times in the fight trying to get Benavidez lured in for that shot, and it just never presented itself. And the one thing with all the tools that Crawford has in the shed, the one thing that's really impressive about him is that he's completely patient in the ring. He doesn't get in a hurry, and he doesn't try to force the action. He was going to wait until that punch was there, and, you know, when they started to trade there late and Benavidez opened up, uh, you know, he saw a chance to – to counter with that thing. And I think he set it up with a right jab, uh, landed a, a straight left and, uh, you know, then came with that uppercut and boy, when it landed, it certainly changed the, uh, the finality of the fight, even though it was going to go his way in a minute anyway. Very true on that one. I, I thought earlier we were talking on big fight weekend with one of our analysts Deshaun Tate uh, about how Benavides kept dropping his hands and almost inviting Crawford in and then trying to either counter or catch him on the way in. And Crawford really didn't have any, I, I guess it wasn't taking the bait is what I said earlier in the podcast here uh, was part of the concern maybe of not trying to use the uppercut earlier in the fight that, Hey, I don't want to get countered if I miss because the one thing Benavides had was a big punch and a big puncher's chance. Yeah. Well, I think Crawford was just, uh, especially after all the animosity that went on here in Omaha this past week, he just really was not going to fight the fight that Benavides wanted him to. So no matter what Benavides tried to do to, to, you know, dictate pace or, you know, to establish distance or to invite Crawford in Crawford wasn't going to have a part of it just because he wasn't going to give him the satisfaction of anything. Um, as far as the uppercut goes, I, I think it was more of a tendency that he didn't know where Benavides was going to be at. Uh, Crawford's had a distinct advantage over a lot of guys, even taller guys in these spots because he's so long in the arms. His reach is incredible for a guy his size. He's only five foot eight. And this one was more equal. And uh, he even said early that, uh, Benavides was able to counter him early in the fight, he felt like, because he had uh, misjudged the actual distance he needed to be at. So I think it was something that needed to play out throughout the fight before he got him exactly where he wanted him to. And again, when he did land that thing, it, it landed flush. Uh, he didn't miss it all. Love the insight that Tony Boone is giving us as part of Big Fight Weekend, recapping Terrence Crawford's 12th round TKO over previously unbeaten challenger Jose Benavides. ESPN televised it all over the place. You can still see this thing on demand through the Watch ESPN app, etc. Great many fans. Tony, as you know, watched it all over the country and all over the, all over the world on Saturday night, and he's giving us great insight. He writes for the Omaha World Herald. He's got a column up in the aftermath of the fight. No pulling punches. Terrence Bud Crawford goes for knockouts. That makes him special let's pick up on that point this is eight stoppages in the last nine fights all of them world title fights um knockouts a lot of times just come sometimes guys set out and get them why has Crawford been so good at ending fights early you've seen a bunch of these fights if not all of them why well I think that it's because he's consistent with what he does um he never goes in looking for a knockout it's always a marathon with him not a sprint and um, all of his knockouts, with the exception of maybe the Julius Ndongo fight uh, that happened at, in his final one at 140 pounds, they aren't one-punch knockouts. Crawford's not a guy that's going to start you with one punch normally. He's going to break you down over time, and, and most of these knockouts have come um, just because he's been able to you know, break a fighter down over the length of the fight and eventually gets them out of there. Um, if it's a guy like Delorme, you're talking three knockdowns in one round. If it was a guy going back all the way to the Gamboa fight, he was four knockdowns over the final five of a nine-round fight. Um, you know, some other guys he's gotten out of there a, a little bit quicker. And, and frankly, I thought 
this fight uh, this past weekend might go quicker just because I thought Benavidez might press the action after all the animosity and hostility this last week in Omaha. I really thought he might come after Crawford earlier than what he did. Uh, but he, he just sticks to his plan, and, and he's content to win by decision if it happens. Um, it, it's all about winning with him. He's the most competitive guy that I've ever been around, and I cover a lot of different sports. And, uh, you know, for him, uh, if it comes, it comes. And he saw the opportunity the other day, and I think the fact that he went for the knockout does make him a little bit different. Uh, Bob Arum, uh, who has promotes both guys and obviously has promoted, you know, a ton of great fighters over the years, um, said that he believes Crawford is special because of that. He said – Tell me, tell me again if Floyd Mayweather would have went for the knockout even if he had a guy in trouble in the 12th round. Crawford's just a little bit different. Uh, he might be the best boxer on the planet, but he's still a fighter at heart, and uh, I think that showed by the way he went after Benavidez there at the end when he didn't really need to. About that. All right, so you've made reference a couple of times, and we talked a little bit about it earlier, but you've been right there on the scene. Benavides was like showing up at the barber shop and almost like borderline stalking the training camp of, of Terrence Crawford in the last few days before this. What was that like in and around Omaha with that going on? Well, um, I guess he was here for three weeks, and, you know, Crawford wasn't even back in town. So, for the most part, Omaha didn't know that Benavides was here unless they were making their presence announced. Um, as far as the, the week of the fight goes, um, the real stuff started on Wednesday when they had their media workout because they had it at a gym up in the north side of Omaha, which is the area that Crawford grew up in, at a gym that he and his uh, manager and uh, head trainer, Brian McIntyre, uh, own. It's called B&B Boxing. So, they had the media event there. Well, uh, when the Benavides clan, uh, clan shows up uh, to go through their pre-media workout um, and then, you know, talk to reporters, and this is, again, supposed to be an hour or so before Crawford's even supposed to be there, Crawford's team was already there because it was their gym, other than Terrence himself. So there were already words going on, and basically, you know, Crawford walked into a firestorm because the camps were already going at it when he entered the gym. And <laughs> the, the, way that th- the way that thing ended, uh, Crawford's uh, assistant coach uh, – Jackie Red Spikes actually had to pull Terrence off of the ring apron as he tried to get into the ring with Benavidez, and that was on Wednesday. And that was before they had to stand toe-to-toe, you know, at the press conference on Thursday, before they had to get to the scales on Friday. So let's just say fight week got started off with a little animosity, and it just intensified throughout the week. And uh, then, of course, after the weigh-in, Benavidez shoved Crawford, and Crawford tried to clip him with a right hook. And uh, that really made for, you know, an interesting – uh, atmosphere comes Saturday because everybody was expecting it to be a war from the opening bell. Okay, so you've covered Crawford for a long time. You're a boxing guy. You've covered boxing for a long time. How much of what you just described was trying to hype the fight and maybe more like World Wrestling Federation as opposed to genuine, actual animosity, dislike? Judge it for us because you've been around and you were you were seeing this firsthand. I guess on a 10-point scale uh, of realness, this was right at a 10. Really? And I say that because, okay. yeah, so I've been, I've, I've, been at, uh, I've been at a couple Crawford fights where the opponents tried to get under his skin. The first one that comes to mind was uh, one of the early ones here in Omaha. Uh, Deary Jean and his crew came in from Canada, and, you know, they, they ran a lot of trash. And uh, we call it now in Omaha the did-you-get-what-you-was-looking-for fight because that's what Crawford <laughs> said after he stopped Deary Jean at the end of the fight. Did you get what you was looking for? Um, and then, of course, later on, uh, and I want to say it was the very next fight, he fought Hank Lundy up in New York. And anyone that knows who Lundy is, you know, he's a trash talker from Philly and yep. a really good fighter at that. Uh, but he talks a big game, and he tried to get under Crawford's skin. And in kind of a role reversal of what happened on uh, Thursday, he got so much under Crawford's skin up in New York that Crawford shoved him 
um, after the press conference and nearly threw him off the stage there uh, at Madison Square Garden. So uh, that was that was the only other time I'd seen somebody probably get Crawford as upset as what he was this last week. This one was legit, and it went all the way back to the start of the year. Uh, Benavidez fought on a card down in Corpus Christi. Crawford was just there to be there. And uh, the way Benavidez told the story to me uh, out in Vegas this summer was that he's like, I stepped off the scale. He's like, the day you weigh in, you're pissed off anyway. You just cut a bunch of weight. And he's like, so I'm not in a good mood anyway. And he's like, I get off the, the scale and walk off the stage, and this fool's there smiling. And so he gets right in Crawford's face and basically <laughs> calls Crawford out for never stepping up to face him when the both of them were at 140 pounds. And Crawford had never been offered that fight, had no idea what he was talking about, so got right back in his face, and basically it got to the point where Crawford offered to let the two of them take it outside. Except warning <laughs> Benavidez, worry about your fight before you don't make it to your fight. So this goes all the way back to the start of this year. And then the fact that Benavidez was on Crawford's card in Las Vegas when Crawford fought, ter- uh, fought Jeff Horn for the, uh, the welterweight title, at the, the WBO title, um, Benavidez was there at the media workout ahead of time there. Um, he talked to all of us at that point, and he and I had a long discussion at that point because I had a pretty good idea that this went according to plan that this was going to happen in Omaha later this year. Um, he said right up that he's like, you know, I want the winner of this fight. I'm ready to fight for the title, and I want that guy to be Crawford. And that went all the way back to the thing that started in February. So there was a lot of stuff going on before this thing ever got announced, and once it did, then it was, of course, social media trash talk back and forth. And then it really picked up in Omaha this last week and obviously ended the way it did on Saturday night. Man, great insight from Tony Boone of the Omaha World Herald, who's written extensively about Terrence Crawford and his wins and his boxing career. He's Omaha born and bred and defended the title the other night in Omaha, Nebraska. It's part of Big Fight Weekend, recapping Crawford's WBO welterweight title defense, the first defense of that title, a 12th round TKO officially of Jose Benavides, who had been previously undefeated. Crawford now uh, continues his unbeaten streak. Eight of the last nine opponents have been early stoppages. Um, Okay, so I've been looking forward to asking you this specific question. We've got Omaha sports fan who loves Nebraska football. And again, we were joking. They they kick them while they're down. They're bad. They're, They're historically bad for this season. We know in that market that Creighton basketball is very popular. I'm a big college basketball guy. They fill mm-hmm. that building uh, that Terrence Crawford was in the other night regularly for Creighton basketball. They're, they're obviously great sports fans of, of baseball, etc., where does a Terrence Crawford fight at this stage now with his stardom, where does that register in terms of the locals, the region? Is it as big a deal as we would think it is, Tony? Well, it is um, because, and I'll base this on this, before Crawford fought Gamboa here in Omaha, we had not had a world championship fight in this city for 40 years, going all the way back to when Ron Stander, who is a local guy from uh, Crownsville Bluffs, Iowa, which is just across the river, but he fought out of Omaha. He fought Joe Frazier here for the heavyweight title in 1972. And when Crawford fought Gamboa, not only have we not had a title fight in 40 years, we hadn't even had a professional fight in the city for seven. <laughs> so he single-handedly brought professional boxing back to Omaha. So By the way, I want to I want to interrupt. You did not cover the Frazier fight in 72. We just want to <laughs> confirm that on Big Fight Weekend you were not in attendance, you were not covering that, you were busy doing something else. Continue. That 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 is my one regret in life that I was not <laughs> old enough to have been there in 72 for that fight. <laughs> Continue on with how big a deal it is. I didn't mean to sidetrack you. No, no, you're good. Uh I, I will tell people this. I was in the house the day that, that uh, Doug McDermott scored his 3,000 point for Creighton. There were 18,000 people in there. 
Uh, he was only like the seventh or eighth player in the history of Division One college basketball to reach that level. And when he hit the bucket to get to 3,000, the roof about went off the, the building. And I'm like, this place will never get louder than this. And when Crawford dropped Gamboa for the first time, and there were seven less thousand people there, uh, that place like went well above that. Really? So, um, yes, Crawford isn't the numbers draw yet that Creighton basketball is. Creighton is at the point where it's a, a top 10 basketball school attendance-wise. They get seventeen or 18,000 every single night. Crawford drew 13, which is a record for boxing in Nebraska the other night. He's been consistently between 11 and 13 uh, in all of his bouts that, that have been here, and I think there's been five in Omaha, and he had one down the road in Lincoln uh, at the arena where the University of Nebraska plays basketball, and they also draw really well, by the way. Um, so uh, he, he's drawn consistently throughout it. So numbers-wise, he's not quite there yet, but as far as the interest in what he's doing, especially when he's doing it here in Omaha, um, it's unmatched. And the fact that it's doing, you're doing it in the city that doesn't have a – a history of boxing. We aren't a boxing hotbed uh, by any means. Uh, he is truly a once-in-a-generation, if not once-in-a-lifetime fighter. And I think people are really, uh, even if it wasn't quickly, um, they've really grasped onto that. And, uh, yeah, when Crawford fights in town, it's a big deal. People want to get tickets, and people want to be a part of the atmosphere. Okay, it was funny to see, and ESPN showed him, to see Warren Buffett there uh, and he wasn't in the front row which is tremendous he was his, his unassuming personality that we know despite being a billionaire all right first fun question did you cozy up to buffett have you cozied up to him before to ask him about his prediction on a terrence crawford fight etc is he that big of a fight fan or is it just hey something for him to come be part of and see in omaha what's the story well, Buffett does that a lot around here, and you're right. He is absolutely unassuming when he does it. I also cover our AAA baseball team uh, during the summer, and he'll roll out to the ballpark and just kind of stand up on the patio party deck uh, with, <laughs> with the general fans you know, and, and have, have a beer with the rest of them. I mean, that's the, that's the kind of guy he is. No, he and I have never talked boxing. I know that uh, early on in Crawford's career, at least when he reached you know, uh, somewhat of a star status, that they you know, be- became, if not friends, at least acquaintances. Uh, to where he and Crawford's camp would get together. And I know that, you know, Warren had given him some advice about, you know, take care of yourself financially now because, you know, you're going to need this all down the road. So um, he has been consistently coming to to Crawford's fights in Omaha. No one was surprised that he was there. And he's kind (laughs) of done that every fight that he comes to. He just goes in there and, like, you might be sitting in the same row and the next thing you know – you know, the guy worth, uh, you know, billions of dollars is, you know, just sitting down the aisle from you. Listen, you are doing tremendous uh, in giving me such insight. I want to continue to bother you for a few minutes. Are we still good on me continuing to bother you on Big Fight Weekend? All right, so a logical follow-up. He fights in Omaha. He's got a good crowd, if not a great crowd by those standards. But honestly, and you've been to New York and Las Vegas for these fights with him, that's the bigger deal. That's the bigger draw. What's the yin and the yang here? The tug of he wants to fight in Omaha, but I'm sure Aram and TV networks, whoever it is, want him in Vegas or New York or in a big-time setting like that. What do you think of that? What do you make of that? Will Crawford still get his way and still get to fight some in Omaha as big as he's gotten now, Tony? Yeah, well, he will, um, to answer that part of the question. The other part is there's a part of Terrence that doesn't want to fight in Omaha as often either because he understands that the fan base is here and they're going to be behind him all the time. Uh, He'd like to go to different places. He likes Vegas. He likes New York. He would love to go in L.A. Um, He did headline once down in Texas, but it was kind of a strange deal where there just weren't any other venues open. So it was kind of an under-the-radar. This was the the Delorme fight. They would love to have had that in Omaha, but the arena just wasn't available. I think Omaha will always be a place 
that uh, top rank will bring fights back to. Um, it, it, it's a good city for this. It, Crawford's got a great following. We are very much an event city. We host the College World Series. We've had the Olympic swimming trials, the Olympic curling trials. All of those things have drawn really well. And as you mentioned, Creighton basketball, Nebraska football. We even have a, a really good Division One hockey team uh, in the University of Nebraska-Omaha that, that draws well every single night, too, uh, when they're at home. They have Notre Dame this coming weekend, so it'll be a big weekend there. Um, we are very much an event community. Crawford has made himself an event here. They will always have a place to come back here. But I think Crawford's willing to take the, the fight on the road because he wants to be a global superstar, and that's what Top Rank wants to do. And, uh, you know, just talking to both uh, Bob Arum and, and Todd DeBuff over time, you know, they've loved the way that they've been able to build this from the ground up with Crawford in Omaha. Some of those people in Omaha have now since gone to Vegas or to New York to, to follow Crawford for a road fight. I think that they would like to ideally – you know, continue that situation. I think it'll be when Crawford has a really big fight, it'll be somewhere else. If he has to make a mandatory title defense against somebody that maybe isn't going to be such a draw, then I think it will be back in Omaha because they know here they're always going to get a big draw and they're always going to get a crowd that's really intensely uh, involved in the fight. I mean, it was unreal down here. Uh, and um, as far as the atmosphere goes, you know, when you get a guy at home and that guy's winning, that's a much better setting even than Vegas and New York. I mean, Crawford drew better here than he did in either of those places, and it was a hell of a lot louder. No doubt about that. Art, as I mentioned, a couple of more moments. We have already kicked it around. It will continue to be kicked around. Can we get down the road of a welterweight unification between Errol Spence, Keith Thurman, who's trying to come back from injury, Sean Porter, who just had the win over Danny Garcia and is the WBC champion in the division, uh, give me some educated speculation here. Do we think that Crawford is in the ring with one of those guys in 2019? Give me an educated guess, or how long do we have to wait? My thinking is that if it happens in 2019, it'll be late 2019. Um, Crawford absolutely wants all of those fights that you just mentioned. You line them up, he'll take them on, and maybe even one in a row. That's just kind of the guy he is. He loves competition, and uh, he would want to be in there with the best. Um Taking Bob Arum at his word on Saturday night, uh, he wants to make the Spence fight. He seems not so interested in a fight with uh, Sean Porter or Danny Garcia. He doesn't think those guys are at the same level that Crawford is and Spence might be. Um, I think the way you put it, Crawford's a special fighter. We think Spence might be a special fighter. He's like, he would absolutely do that fight next, but he knows he's not the only one at the table there. And the realistic thing is that the guys that fight on the Premier Boxing Champions uh, circuit none of them have to have anything to do with Crawford because there are enough things to be solved in-house that they never have to include him in the, into the party if they don't want him to. It's like he's you know, playing his own game and they all have their own game going and he's the kid from down the street who's not getting invited to the driveway to play a pickup ball. It's <laughs> kind of the way it is. And uh, Crawford understands that that's the realistic spot of where he's at. Um, he said he does get frustrated by that a little bit because um, Top Rank's willing to do it. Bob even said that he would uh, let the network thing and uh, everything else go in, in this case. Now, I don't know how what that'll come down to, you know, when it does come down to their the exclusivity contract that Top Rank currently has with ESPN and what that would mean. I'm guessing it would mean a pay-per-view fight of some kind, but I just don't know who's involved network-wise if that does happen. But it sounds like everyone on this side is willing to, to play nice and play fair if, if they can get it done. I'm not sure how they're going to feel on the other side. That's why I don't think it happens quickly. Um, I would be would be really shocked if Crawford wasn't making another title defense in early 2019, probably against another guy in the top-ranked stable. They do have a couple of guys uh, that are Eastern European fighters that are both undefeated. Um, little or known prospects, but the way Bob put it on Saturday, he feels like both those guys 
are better than either the Porter Garcia. They just haven't had a title shot yet. All right, again, Tony Boone dropping some serious insight on Big Fight Weekend into Terrence Crawford, the whole Omaha. Who knew that Omaha had this much to give in terms of boxing? We'd have been on to Omaha much earlier. I love I love Tony's insight. Uh, but one more for the fans that are listening, and there are people all over the country and, heck, all over the world probably that are finding this podcast that are boxing fans. Tell them a thing or two about Terrence Crawford that they should know. You've covered him his whole career. Forget about just the fighting part of it what should we know can be anything you have the floor go well the first thing will be the thing i brought up earlier it's his competitive nature uh it doesn't matter if you guys are playing tiddlywinks ants in the pants hungry hungry hippos if you're playing pickup ball in the backyard if you wanted to, to wrestle you know in the front yard no matter what it is if you guys are out fishing and he absolutely loves to fish if you're out fishing he would be pissed if you walked away and you had the bigger fish <laughs> okay he let me stop you have you ever have you ever been fishing with crawford have you ever done that with the paper you ever been fishing have you ever seen him fish he's that competitive fishing uh he would be um i know that there was one time where he took his son who i think is like now five or six um and he has the uh, a couple of sons, but this was the older one. He took him fishing once, and the kid was legit crying because his dad caught a bigger fish at the end. And, and Terrence was like basically letting him know, Dad's always going to get the bigger fish. So this is his son, who, by the way, he will leave training camp to go watch his son wrestle. Like his kids, and I guess that's the second thing I was telling his kids are like the most important thing to him. How many fighters break camp to go watch their kid uh, compete in a wrestling tournament or do something at the school? Um, he's that involved as a father that he's always willing to step away from whatever he's doing uh, there. But I'll, I'll say this about Crawford. Um, he's never once not been prepared for a fight. Very Floyd Mayweather-esque in the sense the training camp is where all the work is done, and we've yet to see him on fight night not be ready. And that's why every single one of his fights have been one-sided. The guy really has not been in the fight. It's been competitive in the latter half of the fight to date. Tony Boom, thumbs up or thumbs down on fishing? Are you a fisherman at all? Um, I, I'm certainly not the fisherman that Crawford is, and I don't know that I would want to be. If we had to go to fisticuffs because I came home with a bigger fish, then we'd, we'd have some real issues. But uh, oh. I, 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 I do dabble once in a while, but um, I would say I'm more of a guy I, that has, has a fishing rod but doesn't go out. I understand. From my sure. standpoint, I cannot be involved in something where I sit for three or four hours and catch nothing and nothing happens. I would <laughs> rather go play golf or do something else, but that's just me. I'm just checking in on you, and Terrence Crawford may come to blows if you you try to catch a bigger fish than him he's that competitive i love this insight let me again say you need to follow tony boone uh, on twitter with the omaha world herald at boone omh if i have that correct owh i'm sorry uh and the omaha world herald is where you find him writing about terrence crawford and covering one of the great american fighters in the sport this has been a treat to have you on board on big fight weekend to give us some insight on terrence bud crawford his win the other night and the future perspectives i would love to talk to you again down the road if there's another big fight weekend involving crawford we'd love to have you back on for some more flavor and some more insight on this guy uh, you delivered big time uh, tony thank you i appreciate it in reaching out in short notice and you coming on board with me yeah absolutely let's do it again big fight weekend brought to you in part by touch vodka drink eat live local touch vodka
We're back on Big Bite Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. And thank you to Tony Boone. Excellent job giving us all that insight from the Omaha World Herald. Read him online in that uh, paper, in that publication, and we'll get a chance to get him on down the road. Will it be Errol Spence in some point in uh, 2019? Will it be the Lithuanian who's next, like Bob Arum was talking for? Terrence Crawford, we speculated, would there be a rematch? I don't think there's a need for a rematch with Benavides right now. He needs to go beat another contender or two and work his way back maybe to another title shot down the road in a rematch. The fight did go almost the distance, but still uh, Crawford was never really threatened or challenged, and this one was winning convincingly. Uh, Will it be Keith Thurman or Sean Porter down the road? Will those two guys be fighting in 2019? We will find out, and again, ESPN involved in this on whether the fight will be over the air on the network, or will it be part of the ESPN Plus app for Terrence Crawford coming up next? Anyway, we've had a blast bringing this to you as part of Big Fight Weekend. Many thanks again to Deshaun Tate. Follow him at Tate's Takes Sports for Tate's Takes, especially on boxing or anything else that he's got going on with the hoops, etc. for Deshaun Tate based in the Atlanta area. Also, Tony Boone with the Omaha World Herald at Boone. Uh, O-W-H is his Twitter handle on social media. Give him a follow for covering everything with Terrence Crawford. Those guys giving me some great insight. After Terrence Crawford wins yet again, successful defense of his WBO welterweight championship, first defense in the books. Look for him to be fighting early in 2019 for the next go-around in the second defense of that title. Will we see he and the unbeaten Errol Spence the IBF champion coming up in 2019, perhaps we will. That'll do it for this edition of Big Fight Weekend. Again, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whether you found us there. Uh, again, search the show. If you found us through RadioInfluence.com, our partners, they do such a great job with the podcast. Uh, subscribe to this show via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. It comes to you immediately. Rank the show. Rate the show. More people will find it through those services. Share the show out on social media as well. Thank you for doing so if you have already done so. And if you haven't, tell more people about it. I'm TJ Reeves. Thanks for being with us. Terrence Crawford, still the champ. And perhaps we'll be talking soon again about another big fight weekend with him. For now, we're done on this post-fight edition. Thank you for being with us on Big Fight Weekend. This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Folks, I'm telling you, Cincinnati looks really good at points and times on film. They just don't play with consistency. Pittsburgh needs this game. Cincinnati, if they win it at home, a statement win. They're absolutely capable of winning this division. They've got to do it with greater consistency. The Bengals um, at home here looks like the better team going into the game. We'll see if they can take care of business. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 